Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Buy and hold and passive income properties, investment properties is a great tool to have in your investing toolbox. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on, how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend him. I've worked with him before. I'm currently working with him right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take him up on his offer. Get a free coaching session. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, hello, hello. How you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out all the fluffy stuff. We don't deal with that. We get straight to the best advice that moves your business forward in real estate. With us today, we got Tosin Odwella. How you doing, Tosin? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well, my friend. And thank you for being on the show. A little bit about Tosin, and then he'll get into it in more detail. He has purchased two properties as a buy and hold investor, done five wholesale deals, and also bought one plot of land for an interesting business model, and he'll get into that. He's based in New York City, New York, although he was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, with that being said, you can say hi to him first at jmrepartners.com or just click the link in the show notes. Now, with that being said, Tosin, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. As a kid, I would probably say I got interested in entrepreneurship when um, me and my buddies just used to walk around the neighborhood and break people's lawns for 10, 15 bucks, cut their grass, things like that. And so that was kind of how we got the business mind. 
as I got older, I was always interested in real estate, always wanted to learn about the business. And, you know, my parents were property managers. So I kind of was um, introduced to, to real estate at a younger age. And so that's really how uh, my curiosity just got sparked in that industry. When did you buy your first property? Uh, the first property was, I believe, October 2011. October 2011, what was it? It was a duplex in Irvington, New Jersey. You're from Missouri. How'd you end up in New York City, New Jersey area? My dad, he moved to uh, the East Coast when I was younger, probably around 12 or 13. And so when I got older, I just basically followed him. And on this property that you bought about four or five years ago, what were the numbers? It was 45000 for the acquisition. It needed about 15000 in renovation. And so it was just a lot of cosmetic stuff like uh, paint. Had to replace a couple railings. The siding wasn't too bad, so we just sprayed it down. And so it was it was a pretty good deal. It's a buy and, buy and hold, right? Oh, correct. Yes, most definitely. And what's the rent on it? Uh, it's nine fifty per unit. It has a two-bedroom, one-bathroom on the first floor, and then the second unit is a one-bedroom, one-bathroom. So you're able to bring in nine fifty on each side. Well, so uh, nine fifty on the two bedroom, one bathroom, and nine hundred on the one bedroom, one, one bathroom. But we also do pay the utilities as far as the water and the heat, and the electric is on the tenants. With that property, how did you find it? Uh, I found that I think I found that on Zillow because uh, me, me and a friend we used to always look on Zillow and Trulia and, and Craigslist and just try to find things. And every now and then we'd find some pretty good deals. What about the next property? How long after that one did you buy your next one? Uh, that one was about a year later. That one we also found on Zillow, but that was in Detroit, Michigan, because my friend, he was um, always telling me about the things that were happening in Detroit as far as uh, properties were just going away for dirt cheap. And so uh, we thought, hey, let's go out there and see if we can find one of these properties for, you know, nine, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. And so uh, he found one. I gave him half the money. He drove out there. And we bought that one, and that was in 2012. Okay, and how's that turned out for you? So it was a learning experience story. Just a lot of things that we weren't prepared for as far as investing in a state where you don't live in. So um, we had a few tenant issues in the beginning as far as um, them not want, really wanting to pay rent on time because there's just really nobody to come beat down the door and say, hey, it's the first of the month. Where's my money? You know, so we dealt with that for a while until we were able to find a property manager that was going to handle that issue for us at just a price that we could afford. How much did you buy it for? Uh, so we bought that for 12500 and each unit was renting for 450 at the time. They were both one bedroom, one bathroom. And so uh, we raised it about 75 bucks a year later. Okay, so you raised the rent about 75 bucks a year later, Correct. and what are the rents right now? Right now, we're going at, we're gonna at 525 per unit. 525 How much did you have to put into the property over this period oh of time? Oh, my God. We had to – so we had to re replace the toilets immediately. Uh, we had to paint. The exterior doors were terrible, so we had to replace those. We, we just went to Home Depot and bought some new doors for, I think, like 150 200 bucks each. Uh, I think total we came in at like seven or eight grand and just getting it ready to rent out to people. And we just did the basic renter grade stuff. We didn't go too fancy. We just wanted something that would, you know, legally allow us to put tenants in there. That's got you at around 21000 or so all in. And you said the rent is 
525 on each side? Yes. And so that's been for about, we're in 2016. It's been about three and a half years. So we've, we've made quite a bit of our principal back, you know, so. Yeah. And how is the property manager working out for you? Um, so it's, it's never a, a perfect relationship. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's always, there's, there's sometimes that, you know, they want to do things their way as far as, cause they manage several properties. So they may already have a system in places, how they deal with things, but for your property, you may want them to do things a bit differently. And so sometimes there's a little bit of back and forth. It's just letting them know why you want things done in a certain way. But I mean, for, for, for the most part, it's been a great relationship. What specifically are they wanting to do a little bit differently than what you're envisioning? So when there are repairs that need to be done, we just want typical renters grade. But sometimes, you know, the property manager will say, well, we do this kind of quality and it has to be like this. But if the neighborhood and the property doesn't call for a $250 toilet, when we can go get a $99 toilet or we don't need to get just the most expensive, you know, uh, fixtures, you know, let's just get it so that it's working. It operates and the tenants are safe, <laughs> you know, and so um, I think it's their quality was a bit higher than what the property called for. And so I, I think that was a little bit of the miscommunication in the beginning. How is that resolved? Uh, yeah, it's been resolved. We, we just basically said, hey, you know, for, for any major repairs, if that ever has to be that, you know, it will fly in. And if we have to take care of that ourselves, we, we will. But as far as just the collecting of the rents, cutting the grass, if there's a toilet that's broken, let's keep it within a certain budget. And we all agreed to that. And what was the budget? It, it really just depends on what is broken. For example, if there's a toilet, you know, we can go with $100 toilets. Nothing wrong. You know, $100 toilet and $300 toilet, they do the same thing. So it's <laughs> just kind of just keeping things in context to, you know, how do we get things fixed for the, the least amount of money. Would you buy in Detroit again? Uh, yes, I would. I'm actually flying down there. Uh, we want to go over to summertime because we've heard that there's been a lot of Asian investors buying in Detroit. And, and we just, you know, if, if they're doing the market research to find out uh, that things are, are going to be picking up there, whether it's now or five years from now or 10 years from now, I kind of want to see it for myself to see what opportunities there could be, you know, because I, I really don't have a lot of experience buying there. But, um, you know, I know commercial properties are being sold to out-of-state investors all the time, all day, every day. And so I kind of want to understand that and figure out if that may be something that I could do in the future. You've done five wholesale deals correct. since, uh, what, 2013, right? Yes, correct. Since 2013. Are they in the New York City area or uh, are they all over? So all of those were in Essex County, New Jersey, which is about 15 minutes drive from New York City. On average, how much are you making on each of those wholesale deals? Well, I can tell you the first one, uh, I made $1,500 on an assignment. The second one, I made $750. And so I was like, okay, I'm getting the process right. I understand what I'm doing, but I kind of wanted to just maximize as far as what my income were. And so I think that the problem that I was running into was that I wasn't following the 65% market value rule, which basically means – the acquisition price plus the cost of the renovation should come out to 65% in your purchase contract. And that's what you should assign it over to your investor for. And so when I started sticking to that rule, then the, the average uh, amount that I was making started to go up. So on the third deal, it was 5000 The second deal was about 6500 And so it just progressed. With the investments that you have in you know, wholesale, what's your full-time job? Uh, so I just uh, bought equity ownership in a sports bar in Manhattan. It's a, the Durden Bar. 
And so I run that business full time, but I, I also still do real estate on the side. Uh, I'm really trying to save up enough liquid capital so that I can buy a large apartment complex. That That's the overall goal. And how, because I'm adding up the figures on wholesale deals, you know, $1,500, plus the, the money for these investments. How, how have you received the capital to invest in an equity ownership? Was it from another job or inheritance or what, what was, where was that? So in my wholesale, and I was able to meet a lot of investors, even investors that, that, that didn't necessarily even buy a deal from me. And so I was able to just build relationships while I was able to raise investor money to go into some other things that didn't necessarily uh, relate to buying and flipping houses. And so uh, I think um, the relationships you build with your investors, your cash buyers, can definitely turn and grow into other things. And you're referring to the equity in the bar? Correct, yes. So you raise money for to purchase a bar, and then you had, because you raised the money and you were putting the deal so together, the, you got equity ownership? Yeah, the original owners had already owned the bar. Uh, they had had the bar for about two and a half, three years. They were just having some problems as far as running it, you know, it's, it's specifically the, the restaurant and the food side of the bar. And so they really just needed someone who had experience in that area. And since I previously worked in the catering for a few years, I had a lot of relationships in the catering industry and a little bit of know-how. And so that was really how we came to an agreement where, you know, if I can buy a certain amount of equity, then I can handle that for you. And so I did that. I hired a chef that I had known and, and, and we've taken over the restaurant side and we're doing well. Where is the bar? It's 213 Second Avenue, New York, New York, in the East Village. Oh, cool. What's the cross street? Uh, we're in between 13th and 14th Street. Oh, all right. I used to live on 9th and 1st Avenue. Okay. We're right next door to, I may pronounce this wrong, it's called Mumu Fungos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're on the same side of the street. When you walk out of our bar, you literally look to your right, and they're right there. This website that you put in the, the bio, Correct. what is it? It's not you. No, so my mentor, Jay Morrison, he started the Jay Morrison Academy, which was a online training school where I went to to learn wholesaling and real estate and things of that nature. As I went through the academy, when I finished the academy, I began to intern with his asset management company, which is Jay Morrison Real Estate Partners. And so um, during that time, I became part of the company. And uh, what we focus on now is helping – People, whether they're athletes, entertainers, or just regular Joe Schmo people who have money to invest those funds into real estate. You're more on the money raising and the things. Then. Correct. Yes. Okay. And is that your main source of income through the the fees that are charged uh, from the money raising or the equity that's received from it? Correct. Yes. Okay. And so what have you raised money for? Okay. So we've raised money for apartment complexes. We've raised money for people that wanted to purchase a senior assisted living housing. Right now, we just started funding where we're doing hard money for people who want to buy uh, between one to four unit investment properties. And so it really just varies on the opportunities that present themselves as time goes on. With the apartment communities, what was the total raise that you had to do? Per project or total? Uh, in total, how much have you raised for apartments? Uh, I would say it would be in the bar park of like four and a half million and it was always a apartment complexes that were down south of the midwest because they were a lot cheaper than what you can find in new jersey and new york for that price 
And where did the the investors come from who invested the four point five? Just you know, what what networks or associations did you have with them? So on our site, you can go there, and, and they usually come from all around around the country. We do a lot of marketing, online marketing, SEO. So there's not one specific place. Some come from Atlanta. Some come from here locally in New Jersey, New York. Some are from out in California, Connecticut. So it really just uh, depends on the actual investor and, and the lead. When we reach back out to them, then we find out where their locale is. So you are receiving the leads through this website and with working with Jay. And then whenever you get the leads, then you're the person who gives them a call and has a conversation with the investor. Yes, correct. We just give them a call, find out, you know, if, uh, if, if that's viable for them, you know, find out what their toleration of risk is, see, you know, what they've done before, if they have previous experience. And we just try to take it from there and just make sure it's a good fit. What are the reasons why they don't invest when they don't invest? Um, I think most people have the notion that in order to invest in anything, you have to have a lot of money. And they're not really familiar with crowdfunding. They're not really familiar with using small amounts of money to take part in deals. And so a lot of it is just giving them the education and giving them the options and letting them know what they can possibly do. And so I think that's what probably 90% of all the conversations start off as. But after you, I mean, I, I feel like that's a pretty easy dialogue. Oh, I didn't know I didn't need to have a lot. And then you tell them, hey, here's what you need. So after you get over that part, but they don't invest, what's the reason? What's like a main reason why? And I ask this question because a, a lot of the best ever listeners are multifamily investors, whether passively or on the general partnership side. And this is a really relevant conversation. I'm really glad we, we got to this point. So when they don't invest... Why don't they invest? From what I've seen, if you're not a JP Morgan or Edward Jones or, you know, a company that is known worldwide, then people just in general, they, they don't really trust in things that they don't know about. And so a lot of it is just just fear, mm-hmm. you know, and so sometimes you can get them over the hump. Some people are willing to take that risk in order for a chance to do something better. And others are just not ready yet, but we still follow up with them. And sometimes they come along, sometimes they don't. So it's establishing the credibility factor and continuing to become familiar with each other and build that relationship. Exactly. And also just keeping them in the funnel as far as the different community service and initiatives that we do, keeping them in our newsletters and just letting them to be aware of what we're doing outside of just real estate and investing so they can have a better idea of who we are as people and just who we are as a company. And so sometimes that takes time. Sometimes that can't happen in a 20 or 25 minute phone call. Tosin, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice would be buy and hold. (laughs) Buy and hold for passive income. And why is that? Because I look at it like this. You know, there will be ups and downs in the market. There will be cycles that go good and go bad. If I own a property and I own this property free and clear, even if the economy tanks and that house is worth $2, guess what? I can still rent it out for the market rent. I can always find a way to make this property generate some type of cash flow. However, you know, if I invest in stocks, hey, if that stock goes down, guess what? Everything is gone. You know, it's it's, it's gone. The money is gone. And so I just think that uh, buy and hold and passive income properties, investment properties is a great tool to have in, in your investing toolbox. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application. 
takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com. Best ever book you've read? Uh, the 50th Law, written by Robert Greene. It was a case study on 50 Cent. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you read The 48 Laws of Power? Of course. I read that one first. <laughs> yeah, awesome book. Highly recommend for the best ever listeners who haven't read it. Best ever personal growth experience and what would you learn from it? Uh, the first wholesale I did, wholesale, wholesale deal I attempted to do, which was a complete failure, I didn't run comps. Well, no, I ran comps. I just didn't run real comps. I got my comps online, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, from um, the tax assessor's website, which was just completely off. And uh, my, my numbers were just terrible, and my investor looked at me like I, I, I was an amateur and didn't know what I was doing. What was the result of that? Uh, I just had to do a, a lot more homework on the next deals, and it, it, it basically told me to, hey, I need to get a realtor, run comps out of the MLS properties that had been sold. I found out what a comp actually was, you know, a property that sold within the last six months within a mile from your target property. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done would have to be my first wholesale deal. Because you know, I, I tasted success for the first time. So that was my best deal. Best ever way you like to give back? Uh, I like to give back through our Jay Morrison Real Estate Partners community initiatives that we do. You know, we teach financial literacy to the urban and minority communities. Uh, we've been active in Baltimore with the Freddie Gray situation. We're active in Newark, New Jersey with homelessness and, and really just being able to give back knowledge and my time to other people. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? Uh, the biggest mistake I've made in real estate? Hmm. Uh, I would say not getting educated first before attempting to even jump in. Because I, I was so eager in the beginning that I just wanted to do a deal and, and didn't really get educated on, on how I should do it the right way. you know. And so I think that was one of the biggest mistakes I made. And Tosin, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Uh, the best place you can reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, Mr. Underscore Hoboken, or you can send me an email at Tosin at jmrepartners.com. Mr. Hoboken, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice and your story with the best ever listeners, talking about your first deal in New Jersey, your second one, which I found very interesting in Detroit. Because we all see the $10,000 houses yeah. in Detroit. And it's, it's, it's nice to hear someone who's done it. And not only done it, but has had it for you know two, three, Correct. four years. Correct. And now we can kind of see what we're up against and what the return would be, potential return would be. So the pros and cons of that purchase. And I'm really grateful that you walked us through that as well as talking about how your conversations go with investors when you're raising the money for apartments as well as other things but we we honed in on apartments and the credibility factor being a uh, one of the uh, sticking points that is continually um, reinforced to be important so thank you for being on the show sharing your advice with the best ever listeners have your best ever day i know you're headed to the airport and we'll talk to you soon all right same to you thank you for having me on do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application. Takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com.